VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basile. All right, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. You know, this... This show today is about thriving from, uh, you know, the very essence of what we mean uh, when we say thrive in life. And you're going you're gonna to hear a conversation with a, a phenomenal individual who I was introduced to, uh, wow, in his first book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. And, uh, and since that time, Love, Medicine, and Miracles and the work that he has been doing all over the world has changed the lives of so many people. I'm talking about Dr. Bernie Siegel, who is joining me today. And for those of you that are not familiar with his work, let me say this. Uh, in my opinion, coming out in 1986 with a book about Love, Medicine, and Miracles really rewrote the way that we understand uh, disease, illness, and healing. And the stories that you uh, can get in touch with, not only in that book, but the work that was then to follow, changed the lives of thousands of people, millions of people, and at the same time, uh, we get to change ourselves as, as Bernie did. And so today we're here to talk about a number of different things, but I really want everyone to know about uh, the book Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, Raising Your Kids to Feel Loved, Be Kind, and Make a Difference. And, you know, this, this conversation comes on the heeled, uh, heels of the tragedy at Virginia Tech. Uh, and And parents scratching their heads around how they live their lives, what they do, and we're thrilled that uh, Bernie is joining us here today. You know, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and, and having a chat with, uh, with me and my listeners. It's been a, a pleasure to be part of your journey and the work that you've done, and it's an honor to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. Um, the... You know, the book and what has happened are all so tied together. Yes. I, I, I mean, I've been writing more letters to the editor lately about, you know, what everybody is talking about and what they've seen. And what you have to realize, number one, is the opposite of love is indifference. And a, a child like this, he's been reaching out for someone to love him his entire life. I'm not blaming his parents, but... There's no question in my mind that this child does not feel loved. And so he has acted out and is searching, whether it's from teachers, classmates, parents, somebody to say, we love you. And it has never happened. And so look at the result. And, and then I have a, a CD entitled the origins, of, the origins of Love and Violence, Bonding and Brain Development. And under it is a quote from John Steinbeck, which really hit me. The greatest terror a child can have is that he is not loved, mm. and rejection is the hell he fears. 
I think everyone in the world, to a large or small extent, has felt rejection. And with rejection comes anger, and with anger some kind of crime in revenge for the rejection. And with the crime, guilt, and there is the story of mankind. And boy, when I read that, wow. Um, it was sitting on my desk, and I just happened to notice it. But what this is a, a, you know, a DVD of is watching monkeys, other animals, people, children, you know, who aren't touched. And when you're not touched, your brain development is not normal, is not the same. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a website associated with this, too, was saying that societies where punishment is part of how you bring up children are the ones who have violence uh, because it's a part of their life. And it doesn't mean we don't discipline, but discipline and punishment are two very separate things. And I'm often saying to people, when they say, well, how should I bring up my children? I say, go ask a veterinarian. You know, I mean, I know that sounds silly and crazy, but you talk about love, affection, discipline, exercise, trust, uh, you know, respect. <laughs> and people literally take better care of their pets than they do their children and themselves. Well, and and are, are probably the first to admit that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk to someone uh, that has a beloved pet, as you as you just talked about, and boy, I'll tell you, um, they're about as protective uh, of of that pet as just about anything. Right. And and they're really clear about that, though. And yet, we're so confused about what to do with our children. And the yeah. book that you wrote, Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, really breaks this down yeah i i tried to be practical because i literally say to people i mean what do i have to tell you that the great sages of the last few thousand years have to tell you you know but when you read what i've written you know i'm telling you how do you make the magic is very practical this is what you can go home and do so you're not reading some parable myth you know and saying well what is the message here what am i supposed to do when i get home it tells you what to do because we brought up five kids. We have eight grandchildren. You know, we've lived the message. We're wounded too. Um, but we can learn from each other. Even one aspect, uh, criticism. I, I, I literally always say to people, you want to know if you're a decent human being, you're criticized by the people you work for, the people you work with, and your family. And they say, why does that make me a good? Because you're listening to their criticism. They're coaching you. They're telling you how to do it better. And they know you're listening or they'd give up on you and you'd never hear any criticism. And, you know, and I would say this to parents, to people in business, when I never get a response from somebody, you know, who's fixed my house or done something and it's a disaster, uh, you know, the people say I'm sorry and come back. Uh, or as one woman said, something to do with our car dealer, she said, thank you, I've learned something from you. And what I was telling her is that she gave me the wrong information. So I came back to tell her what was right, and she said, thank you, I've learned something from you. Well, believe me, I honored her in front of all her coworkers uh, because of what she was capable of doing rather than make an excuse um, and, you know, not pay any attention to me. You know, when you when we talk about this like this, in terms of how easy it is, what you just described, uh, it, at some level sounds so simple, and yet people really struggle to honor the dignity of another human being. It, but again, you see, if you've grown up without self-esteem and, and with rejection, you're not capable of doing that uh, because you're so busy protecting yourself and feeling put down uh, 
you're seeing criticism in another way. See, not as something that can make me a better person, but as something, you know, that's, again, putting me down and telling me I'm defective. Um, I mean, one letter I often read when I lecture is from a woman who was dressed in this bright red dress that was giving me a headache while I was giving a lecture. And I wondered how she could come out of the house looking like that. But when she handed me the letter at the end of my lecture, it said, I was an only lonely child. My mother constantly verbally abused me, told me I embarrassed her, never amounted to anything, and only dressed me in black, brown, and navy. And my mother's words were eating away at me and maybe gave me cancer. And she said, when I got cancer, that's when I bought a red dress. See, she reclaimed her life. And too often today... The kids are literally committing suicide because they don't understand how to reclaim their life rather than eliminate their life. You eliminate what's killing you. You don't kill yourself. And we have to give our kids. See, I grew up with a mother who, when you had a question, she answered, do what will make you happy. So it wasn't, you know, my parents imposing, we want you to be a doctor. As a matter of fact, they didn't want me to be a doctor. (laughs) But, you know, they didn't stop me. You know, my father said, hey, I can't help you with that career, you know, so you want to do it? You're on your own. And off I went. Um, But, you see, they gave me my life. Uh, They didn't impose. My father didn't say, no, you can't do that. You're going to do this so you can work with me. And, uh, And the kids today really are feeling that they've been deprived of their life. And very often, the better off financially the family is, the worse it is. Because there the kids are told, you've got to be a success. And as one kid said, when you're a success, you are not happy. He said, when you're happy, you're a success. And he had to become so troubled that he sought, you know, psychotherapy to help him get over what his father did to him. You know, that money was to make more money, not to do nice things for the world. I mean that literally. When his father gave him a million dollars, he said it ruined my life because I had to be a success. Uh, I, I always wonder what would have happened if he went and donated it to charity or started a new charity and came home and told his father. You know, would he be thrown out of the house? So all these messages are getting across to the kids. Uh, you know, how you're bringing them up, uh, what I call the mottos to live by. A lot of people said to me, you didn't ask us what mottos we're dying by. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, one of the things you're talking about, I'm really, uh, I'm really struck by this because I got a call yesterday from a very dear friend of mine, and I, I met his uh, net, uh, nephew uh, a couple of years ago, and I just found out that uh, the, the, this wonderful child accepted to Stanford attempted suicide, mm-hmm. and and it's hard for many of us to understand the kind of pressure the kind of despair that a young person would have to to want to take his or her life but it's yeah. happening left and right isn't it yes absolutely look and and i have to tell you honestly that i know our kids went through those phases some of them we have five um, because i'm at a i do a workshop for cancer patients with one of them and when i said to the people in the room how many of you have ever considered suicide you know when your mm-hmm. own child raises his hand wow i mean that hits you but, you see, he didn't, okay? And it's, it's what, you know, that's why you're helping them reclaim their life. And you're not rejecting them um, and telling them, I don't love you and you're a failure. And you, No, we just listened to his anger as he grew up, uh, helped him 
to know that we did love him, even if we didn't like what was happening, and you dialogue and you understand each other and then can come forgiveness and a whole host of things. Um, but I'm always saying, eliminate what's killing you. So, yes, you may have to move out of a house, quit your job if it's really killing you. But if not, what love can do when you bring it in is quite amazing. Uh, because it's a real weapon. You know, I, I think the term kill with kindness is not an accident. That uh, lots of people don't know what to do with love. And so we can reparent each other. You know, if you, if your biological parents are a mess, alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, I mean, I know people who are alive today whose parents committed suicide actually asked them to kill themselves and said, I don't love you enough to not kill myself. Imagine telling your child, I'm going to commit suicide because, and I don't love you enough to not do it. Um, but, you know, I have reparented a lot of these people as my patient. And what I mean by that is that I have shown them I love them and, you know, said, get your baby picture out. Let's look at it. And look at this beautiful divine child. And when I have persisted in loving them, yeah, I have reparented them. School teachers have a powerful role. Um, clergy, even your neighbor, grandparents, obviously. Why do we call them grand? Because they've learned to be non-judgmental through experience. And the other is that we have to realize why this is so powerful for the kids is that up to the age of six, the brainwave pattern of a child is like that of a hypnotized individual. So those messages are embedded in there. And in mm. the next six years, you know, the brain is sort of maturing. So when you get to be, say, 12 or so, just as you're becoming a teenager, you finally can think for yourself and can say, my parents were a problem, it's not me. But think about being hypnotized and how hard it is to reject that when it's been your upbringing and you know, reclaim your life. So it takes a lot of work to get over what parents have said when they've been destructive. Well, and this is what today's show is about. This is about empowering each and every one of us, parents, children, and alike. I'm here with Dr. Bernie Siegel, best-selling author of Love, Medicine, and Miracles. This uh, day we're talking about his latest book, Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, Raising Your Kids to Feel Love, Be Kind, and Make a Difference. And uh, I want to say that the book, right out of the gate, really takes us to a place where we understand that the children are our future. There's a quote by uh, Dr. Carl Menninger right at the beginning of the book, and it says, the children of the future do not belong to their parents alone. They are the concern of every one of us. They are literally the hope of the world. That's what today's show is about. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, more about love, magic, and mud pies, what each and every one of us can do, reclaim our life, reclaim our love with Dr. Bernie Siegel. We'll be right back. The authority in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know why there's so much publicity about stem cells? Well, they are the building blocks of our health, the foundation for your everyday healthy renewal. Would you like to harness the power of your own stem cells and increase their production by up to 70%? There is now available a revolutionary science to help your body's natural renewal system. The producers are so confident that you'll feel the difference for yourself, they're offering a week's supply for only $9.95. Just visit adultstemcellnutrition.com. That's adultstemcellnutrition.com. 
Dr. Pat Basili. Hey, Mary, it's been a while. What have you been up to? Hey, Jim. Guess what I'm doing now? I'm helping people stop smoking for a living. Really? Are you making a good living doing that? Jim, I'm making $500 an hour. No way. Only top doctors and lawyers make that much. Yep, I love it. I'm saving lives, and you know what? Instead of studying for a four-year college degree, I did a four-day training. Could I do this? If I could do it, anyone can do it. Just give Smoke-Free International a call at 1-800-305-9129. They'll send you an information pack. It can't be that easy. I've never done anything easier or more fun. Smoke Free International is a company that has helped thousands of people become non-smokers all over the world. Their success rate is about 95%. You can call them at 1-800-305-9129. Yeah, that sounds great. Just give them a call at 1-800-305-9129 and get started on a whole new life and career. Would you like one of the most rewarding sales jobs of your life? The Dr. Pat Show has rapidly grown into the number one radio show to live by. The Dr. Pat Show is hailed for its remarkable guests, sponsors with integrity, and amazing listeners. Dr. Pat is in search of a creative, self-starting, energetic person to join the marketing team. If you're interested in helping promote and sustain the Dr. Pat Show, please submit your resume to pat at thedrpatshow.com. Again, that's pat at thedrpatshow.com. This is your opportunity to make a difference in your community and the world. Looking for the perfect way to connect with your children all year long? Give your entire family the gift of heartfelt conversations through the magic of Carla Miller's Seeds of Discovery books. Each Unbound book is a unique interactive experience with simple life lessons for all children and adults. Lighthearted, colorful illustrations attract the attention of children and stimulate interactions with adults. Visit SeedsOfDiscovery.com or call 1-888-426-1632 for more information. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program, here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. As I said before, I'm here with Dr. Bernie Siegel, and uh, you can find out so much about his books, about who he is, about how to connect with him, how to contact him, how to tap into a community of people right through his website. And his website is www.BernieSiegelMD.com. MD for doctor. I'll say it again. Uh, BernieSiegelMD.com. Check it out. Today we're talking about, you know, our children, the, our parents, and his latest book of Love, Magic, and Mud Pies. And, and Bernie, again, thank you so much for coming to the, to the show today and, and speaking with our listeners. I mean, this is such an important message um, that all of us need to hear in the way that you've put it together. Everything from the chapter, Don't Be Afraid to Fail, uh, to the chapter, Don't Forget to Sing. And all of this is about the journey and the choices that we make every day, isn't it? I mean, you know, we hear stories about, well, I can't do that. I'm too busy or I don't know how to make it happen. Uh, what do we say to people that are in that place where they think everything in their lives is so busy they can't take time for their kids?
Well, I think we must have uh, you know, we must have dropped Bernie and Ruben. I think you you can get him back on the line in a minute here. Uh, I guess this is something that happens to us a lot when we do the Doctor Pat show. We absolutely heating up the airwaves. And uh, we'll, have, we'll get Dr. Bernie Siegel on the phone in a minute again. Uh, what I want to say is that when I open this book, Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, you know, coming right out of the gate, we're talking about being there. And being there means uh, in this book, I, I love the way this is written, it's, it means that from the moment that your child comes into the world, you need to be there for him or her. And I did not have a sense of what that truly means until I read on into the book. And one of the things that I discovered about this book, and, and, and Bernie's back with us now, is that it is about the magic, it is about connecting, and it's about learning how to take steps to get close and be in a place of love. At the same time, not being critical with yourself. Uh, Dr. Dr. Bernie Siegel is my guest today, and uh, you know I was just talking about being there. What you say in the book right. from the from the very moment that a child comes into the world, it's, and we were talking about how busy everybody is. Well, that's why you know when I said about being a grandparent and then a great grandparent, I've watched our children born, and I've watched our grandchildren being born, and I could feel the difference in me. You know, that mm. as a surgeon, especially a physician, I was much more into the mechanical aspects of our children, you know, that all the parts were there. As a grandparent, I was standing there waiting to love the child, even if parts were missing. You know what I mean? It's, it's a totally different feeling. And But I also have, you know, keep reminding people, uh, my wife delivered <laughs> five children in seven years, which included twins. The two of us were quite exhausted and both got sick. I mean, we were just up day and night taking care of them. And I was talking with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross one day, and she said to me, she could sense my anger at all the things I couldn't take care of and control, and she said, you have needs too. And I think parents need to understand that also. Yes, their children have needs, but so do parents. So it's okay to go away with your spouse for a weekend or a week for that matter. But again, bring in the real grandparents. I used to have some of my patients come and stay at our house with our kids, um, and they would just be open and loving with the kids. And the kids, of course, could then talk about their parents and you know and get help on how to work with their parents and survive. And we were all caring for ourselves and each other, as well as giving the kids individual time. You know, if a birthday came up, yeah, we could take one child on a trip. Uh, for a day and, and really focus on that child. So each one knew that they were cared about and for. And I always remember one of them coming to me one day and saying, I don't get 20% of your time. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you have five children, which you each get 20%. And I said, your brother's driving us out of our minds. He gets 40. And what I really appreciated in that child was that he could come to his parent and say, I'm not getting as much love as my brother. But he then got to understand why. So it wasn't, well, we love him more than you. It's, he's driving us nuts. As I said, the opposite of love is indifferent. So you want to get attention? Yeah, turn the house upside down. And boy, you can really get a lot of attention <clears throat> that way. Not yeah. sure in my, in my family if it's the kind of attention that you wanted. Because part of this is, you know, how we deal with that kind of turning the house upside down. 
And, you know, I, 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 I've talked about this more often than not. You know, nowadays there are many children, and folks have said to me, if you would have been born, uh, you know, 10 years ago, you'd have been on Ridland, Dr. Pat. And, and I said to, you know, I said to the person that said that, I said, well, well what do you mean? And there is a lack of understanding about, in my opinion, about children, high-spirited children, and mm-hmm. what to do with them. And, and it really brings us to a, a, a couple of different points in a conversation. One of them, is discipline. I know that um, I received an email <clears throat> that there is legislation on the on the table about uh, what will happen if you spank a child that's younger than four. Yeah, but you see, that's not discipline. That's punishment. Yeah. So, and, and that is sick. And, and really, you're more likely to have a violent child when you do that. Not to mention the other, which is smoking in the car with the child. Some states are considering a law that you can't. Um, and again, people smoke outdoors to protect their pets, but not their children. I mean, and I'm not making these stories up. I mean, I'm, I'm citing pet magazines that are telling you how to protect your pets while you go on killing yourself. That's fine. Um, and as I say, the sad part is that you need to pass a law, if you want to, that says you must love your children. I mean, if I, if I were in charge, what we'd have is parenting classes. You know, you get pregnant and they're told, go to a birthing class, and then the kid's born here, take it home. How about having a parenting class where you would have people your age, people 10, 20, 30, 40 years older than you, who could tell you what's ahead so you become educated about parenting and can educate your children about, you know, what it's like to be a child and survive also. And, we, you know, it's really interesting that we don't even contemplate that. And, and, and it's not really part of our infrastructure to really stop and say, you know, there are people that really don't know how to, 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 to take care of these children. And I think, you know, part of this, and I think you talk about this in the book, is that, you know, things have changed. They've changed since I grew up and my grandma was around. Right. You know, and I can remember being in the kitchen with grandma making, and she's making meatballs and spaghetti and, and with grandpa in his shack where he grew herbs and I was, and I was there and, and, and he, he was oil painting. Now, you don't even have the, the kids and the parents and the grandchildren all in one place. So have things changed to the point yeah, where we haven't even figured out what to do? It's very difficult, you know, mechanically. I see that in our family, too. Uh, I grew up in a big family. If I didn't get along with my folks, all I had to do was go to my grandparents or aunts and uncles and hang out with them. Um, and, and that's not true of our grandchildren. I mean, they're spread all over the place. They can't come here uh, on their own. Um, and, and so they don't have that kind of retreat uh, and, you might say, unconditional love when their parents are having a tough day. You know, think of, I forgot the actor's name, that they keep playing it on all the news, you know, where he yelled at his daughter. Um, Well, where can her daughter, you know, his daughter go? Uh, If the grandparents were in the house, they would have given her a hug, say, calm down, honey, don't worry, your father's having a bad day, and it all would have been healed over. Um, But instead, look, it's on, you know, every television program, uh, my father yelling at me. Uh, that's yes we've come to a very depersonalized kind of society now and it's very damaging to the children absolutely uh, our kids grew up with a house full of animals they really had a reverence for life and uh, it, it, well 
I've mentioned this before. There was a story by Mark Twain. A man's murdered. They don't know which of two guys did it. A detective that they don't know is a detective invites them both to a restaurant to have dinner. While they're having dinner, a dog walks in, and a detective planned this. He gets up and starts abusing the dog and screaming, a dog shouldn't be in a restaurant. And one of the men gets up, steps in front of him, and says, stop treating the dog like that. And the detective turns around and arrests the other guy and says, he would never murder anybody if he treats a dog like that. Mm. So you must be the murderer. And he's right. And I think that's the part that if we can get our kids to grow up with a reverence for life. See, years ago, Menninger, you mentioned him. Yes. He, he talked about aggression. He said it's normal. But what you're supposed to do with aggression, I mean, think of your kid becoming a football player, a linebacker, and knocking everybody down. Okay, but he's a star athlete, or hitting a baseball, or kicking, a, you know, or if he's digging up the yard to plant something, you know, so in hobbies, in sports, in a profession, you're using your aggression and, and being creative. And when you don't have those outlets, then yes, uh, you know, our headline today in our town, a kid is being put away for 40 years because he drove down the street with his friends shooting, and he killed a sweet little girl mm. who's just sitting in the street playing with her friends. Um, you know, but if he'd had something to do besides being in a gang or shooting at kids, uh, yeah, he'd be in a very different place today, not heading for jail for 40 years. Well, and, and this is uh, one of the things I, I really want to say to everyone is uh, here with uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Siegel, we're talking about love, magic, and mud pies. Lots in this book, uh, lots for us to talk about when we come back from break, including bullying, teen sex, drugs, alcohol, divorce, and all of this having to tie into self-esteem. When we come back, we'll be uh, speaking with uh, Bernie about uh, the book, uh, his reason for writing it, you're hearing right now on the Dr. Pat Show. If you want to find out more about uh, the book and how to get it or uh, many of the things that are on his website, it's very easy, www.BernieSiegelMD.com. Check it out. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, more with the show. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to kick your life up a notch? Tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Vasily will leave you shouting, yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Crustbusting. Listen to The Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com. Releasing the past and stepping fully into the present is now easier than imagined. Hi, I'm Sue Newfeld Ellis of quantumhealing.us. Dr. Pat and I will be teaming up to give you many powerful ways to open the door to an extraordinary life. Tune in and discover how, starting February 15th. For more information and to receive 25 tips to reduce your stress, visit quantumhealing.us. What would your life be like if you were outrageously joyful? If you have never even considered outrageous joy, then don't miss the Dr. Pat Show 
with life empowerment coach Tara Cree, author of the ebook Living a Life with Zero Regrets Five Radical Ways to Be Outrageously Joyful. Tara will show you how to change your life in her dynamic four week teleclass series starting in March. Log on to innergood.com. That's innergood.com for your outrageous joy. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basili. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. If you want to find out more about um, my show, and uh, we're on, on Voice America, as you know, right now, 7 or 8 o'clock Pacific Time on Tuesdays. But I'm also on air another uh, 11 hours of live radio. The best way to find out where I might be in your city or state is to go to my website, www.thedrpatshow.com, T-H-E-D-R, patshow.com. Check it out. Lots there, including uh, a link from my website to Dr. Bernie Siegel's website uh, and my very special guest today. Uh, Again, Bernie, thank you for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome, Pat. You know, there's a, there's a chapter I want to talk about in the book, and, and it's the chapter's name is, uh, is titled, Use Only Organic Fertilizer. And there's a story about your son, John, uh, it, who, who is an attorney now. Right. And you share the story about, uh, you know, what he, he did as, as a young kid, and maybe you can share a part of that. You mean about making me grass? Making me grass. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Our kids, you know, I mean, with the five of them, at times they would team up, you know, two against one, or but and they'd switch teams. But whenever one was driving them crazy, John's statement was, make them eat grass, and they'd sit on them in the yard, you know, and they didn't literally make them eat grass, but that was the symbol, you know, until that kid would stop doing what was driving everybody crazy. But it actually became a term that he used in his office, you know, as a lawyer <laughs> with opponents saying, make him eat grass. But it, it became a symbol, and the kids still laugh about it. But, it, it, you know, because, I mean, I have to jump into one other thing that I, I was going through our drawers looking for something, and I can tell you we never clean our house appropriately. But I found an article from 20 years ago talking about sibling facing and rivalry and was saying if they're less than a year or five years or more the kids get along much better than in between and on it i had written jeffrey i apologize because he has an older brother two years and three years another brother and so you know all this fits into their life but it's part of why there's rivalry difficulties problems competition uh it's tough to be in the middle you know and not special and then when we had twins of course they were a problem for everybody, uh, so they had their unique place in the family. And, you know, people, again, see, if parents were educated, they would know about spacing of children, how it affects them, uh, you know, to be the oldest and have time alone with two adults uh, will change you uh, versus being the second, third, fourth, or tenth for that matter. Well, and one of the things I love about what you say, and it's really very telling, telling to me, and, and I would suspect it's why you've written this book, is you say, it, you know, it, it make kind of, we can laugh about it now, but it makes me wonder how we as parents can have so little knowledge about the world our children are living in. 
And that, to me, is uh, is such an important statement. It, oh, yeah. Let me, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, I think I put in the book. Um, when he was an adult, one of our sons, the one who, you know, often got attention through trouble, uh-huh. said there were two things he wanted to tell me. One was he would come to us on a Friday and say, Grandma called, she wants me to spend the weekend with her. And we'd put him on a bus, and he'd ride down, and my parents would pick him up. He said, they, Grandma never called. When I needed a break from the family, I would lie to you and go spend the weekend with her, you know, and my grand, and my father. And then he said, the other was, when you and Mom went away, I didn't go to school. I said, what do you mean? He said, the other kids would lie to whoever was babysitting and say, Jeffrey left early. And, he, and I said, well, what did you do? He said, I sat in the closet and read books. See, that's the part, trying to know your child. People used to tell me, oh, your school kid has school phobia. No, he was bored at school. He's a very bright kid. So he doesn't go to school, but he sits home and reads books all day long. You know, I just wish he could have told me that when he was a kid, say, Dad, I'm bored at school. I'm not afraid of school. I don't want to go there because I don't enjoy it. And then we might have found a school, you know, that he could enjoy. But that's why, if you can just know your kids, don't judge them ahead of time. I mean, two of ours, were the twins, were born with a hearing impairment due to Bobby's exposure to German measles during the pregnancy. And But every uh, nursery school teacher, every school teacher kept telling us, your kids are a problem. They are not paying attention. They're distracting the class. Even our pediatrician said, well, he's looking out the window because he's distracted. That's why he doesn't answer when I call him. Well, Bobby, my wife, finally insisted, test their hearing, and they were both hearing impaired. But you see, we're blaming the children. And when you talk about, you know, the Ritalin and all the drugs, uh, a psychiatrist just sent me a book to review. It's called Don't Label My Child. Right. But that's what doctors tend to do. Uh, you're depressed, here's a prescription. You're, you know, ADHD, here's a prescription. Why don't you sit down with the kid and the family and say, what's going on in your life? I mean, I started doing that 30 years ago because I realized, hey, what went on in my life affected me. Uh, when a patient of mine said, I need to know how to live between office visits, I said, okay, let's start talking to people about their lives. And again, when you help them with their lives, I saw the physical benefits that came with it too. And the same is true with the kids. If they enjoy their life, they'll live longer, healthier lives. What I gave each of our kids every semester, I told them, you have five health days every semester. And they say, what is a health day? I said, you don't want to go to school. You come into the kitchen in the morning and you say, Dad, I'm taking a health day. I'm not going to school today. So they realize they don't have to be sick or fake illness to get out of school. You know what I mean? They don't have to come into the kitchen, oh, my stomach hurts, my head hurts, I'm going to throw up, I think I have a fever. Uh, you, you know, just come in and say, I'm taking a health day. And it helped them stay healthy. Well, and it sets some guidelines to to let them know as well that it's okay to take care of yourself. Right. I mean, how many people do you know uh, that have grown up out of this this work ethic that says, no, you cannot take a day off? Right. You, know, you have to work, say work, this, work. Especially when imposed by others. Because whenever you ask an audience, I have twin sisters. One is a sweet little kid who makes mommy and daddy happy and internalizes anger, and the other one's a little devil running around doing her thing, driving everybody crazy. Who do you think's more likely to get breast cancer? And the answer is the good girl. And so that's something we really have to think about, you know, that when you internalize your feelings, it's changing your body chemistry. I mean, people have to understand that what I'm talking about is scientific, okay?
okay? Whether you're petting a dog, getting a hug or a massage, or externalizing your feelings, you're changing your body chemistry. And when you're living in fear, when you're living with suppressed feelings, you're being self-destructive. You know, the conversation that we're having right now about this is so important, not just to the children, but to the parents in, in a sense of, of understanding how to really connect. One of the things that I guess you, you could probably pick up from this conversation is the concern I have about labeling, especially around uh, kids that are, are classified as ADD and ADHD. I mean, it's even gotten to the point now where if something goes wrong, the, 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 the children, at 17 and 18 years old are even quick to turn around and say, oh, that's my ADD, ADHD. And the labeling piece of this goes even beyond that. And what I wanted to ask you is that is how can parents, because the labeling also comes from society now with what we see on television, with what to wear, with what not to wear. And you have a chapter in the book about diversity, the latest buzzword. How do we talk to parents so that they get that regardless of what's going on with their kids, you, st- you still need to step up and accept them for who they are? Yeah. I mean, first of all, let me go the other way. Where are we all alike? Yes. If I had a photograph and I put it up in front of you and I said, who is this a picture of? And you said, it's impossible for me to know. What do you think it's a picture of? <laughs> No, I'm laughing because adults have a problem with that. When I go in front of a bunch of kids and I say, where are we all the same? So if I put a picture of one of you from the class up, nobody would know. They immediately yell, your inside's your heart. Mm-hmm. So first of all, and, and then I get wonderful letters from the kids saying, I went home and I asked my mommy and daddy and it took them 15 minutes to figure it out. But well, first of all, we are on all one family. Don't forget that. So yes. to me, the diversity is for recognition mm-hmm. that we want to be different. If we were all alike, you know, just think if there were only one flower or one tree on this planet, we'd all go nuts, you know, and be bored. So the diversity makes life interesting, but you have to be supported and loved so you're not afraid to be different um our kids used to be embarrassed by me because i I, i'm like a kid when i'm out in the world and i just have a good time because i know we're all wounded and so i am out there having you know a joyful time acting silly at times um and they would be embarrassed by it and then when as they grew up they came home and two of them came to me one day and said thank you and i said for what and they said we did something that was really you know off the board at work and at school and got no criticism but heard people say well you know who his father is so they came home smiling and thanking me for not being normal see because it meant they could be different and one of the symbols i show when i lecture think about this you know we grow up being green leaves on the family tree see don't upset the family fit in don't make our family stand out don't want anybody to notice that we're different but then the fall of your life comes and what happens you get rid of the green and all that beauty and uniqueness shows up. And to me, that's a message to all of us to not let go of the tree of life until you've shown your uniqueness and your beauty. And it's again, you know, my mom's message, do what will make you happy. And when troubles come, she would call them God's redirections. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale's mother said, when God slams one door further down the corridor, another is opened. So you're bringing your kids up to deal with difficulties and not judge them in the sense that this is going to ruin my life. How do you know it won't make your life better? See what happens next week or next year. 
and when kids grow up with what I call mottos to live by, they don't have a problem surviving. But when you grow up with mottos to die by, you know, you embarrass us. You're a failure. Um, you're never going to accomplish anything. Uh, you want to commit suicide, go ahead. I mean, I, I don't make these things up. I hear them from kids and from adults who went through this in their childhood. Well, and, and this is really what I love about what you've put in the book. No, you're not making those up. We've all heard these. I mean, not only have we heard them personally, whether it's in a grocery store or a bus stop, but we hear them in the media. We hear them on what's on television right now. Um, we even hear them on uh, certain talk radio. And and I think as you're talking about this, I think we forget that there's another way of being. And you've really outlined in this book a way for us to really explore and get back to the love and the connection that our, our kids and, and parents need. Yeah, and let me say that, because you make a good point, what people need to look for is coaching. That's why I said whether you have a parenting class or just sit down with other parents, mm -hmm. with, you know, grandparents, whatever, you know, anybody you admire and say, hey, how do you manage? What are you doing? And we can coach each other and learn. And then you go home and practice and rehearse. And I mean that literally, that you pick out a role model. If you said, gee, I really admire so-and-so, I'm always teasing people and say WWLD, you know, what would Lassie do? But I'd say <laughs> pick out a role model and say, okay, if I were that person, how would I act today? And then get up tomorrow and do it. And when you mess up during the day, use criticism. See, that's what a coach is there for, to tell you how to do it better. So you can be criticized by your family, by your children, by the people you work with, the people you work for. Why? Because you let them know that you're interested in being a better person. So they can come up to you, like a patient could come to me and say, uh, you know, you didn't treat me very nicely yesterday when you came in my room. Okay, what did I do wrong? And they're not afraid to tell me, and I become a better doctor. Well, that's the way that, uh, you know, each and every one of us can, can change. You can't do it without getting the info. Let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, more with Dr. Bernie Siegel. I want to remind everyone his website is www.berniesiegelmd.com. The book is Love, Magic, and Mud Pies. When we come back, we're going to get uh, Bernie's uh, way in on sex and teen sex. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Listen wherever, whenever, voiceamerica.com. Dr. Pat show. She has got one of the leading edge shows for thought leaders, forward thinking people like you on the planet. Make sure you stay plugged in. I certainly do. And I'm really, really excited about the opportunity to share information with you. And I'm doing a program called The Secret of Attracting True Wealth all around the country. Go to HarmonicWealth.com and find out when I'm going to be in your area. And I'll look forward to meeting you uh, face to face. Have a phenomenal day and live an inspired life. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Pat, and I'm excited about a breakthrough technique that will help you shed years of stuck energy. Energy that is stuck creates three basic corresponding feelings or emotions, bad, sad, or mad. The Simone Zone is like a water purification unit for our polluted energy. And once that energy is reclaimed, we are able to reframe it and use it to achieve our goals and desires more quickly and easily than ever before. Visit thesimonezone.com and try this free technique for yourself. NLP provides a system of knowledge and values along with procedures and tools for the purpose of empowering your life and the life of others. When you learn how to practice NLP, you become capable of achieving anything you set your mind to. Anything. Join the Empowerment Partnership as they present the Accelerated NLP Practitioner Training in Seattle, Washington, October 7th through the 13th. Call 800-800-MIND or go to NLP.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call. The Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am so thrilled to have Dr. Bernie Siegel with us today. And we're talking about many things, all of which are included in his book, Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, Raising Your Kids to Feel Loved, Be Kind, and Make a Difference. And, Bernie, again, thank you so much for joining the show today. My pleasure. You know, one of the topics that I think parents still to this day scratch their heads uh, about uh, is is sex and teen sex, and is it are, when is the right age? What you know? What what do we do? How do we how do we communicate with our children about this? And you cover this, and I wanted to to talk with you about what you've learned in your own experience in raising five kids. Well, I, I have to say I don't remember exactly what I said in the book, but the um, you know dealing with both punishment and sexuality those are two things that n- need to be understood because mm-hmm. if they're if they're punished and the sexuality is suppressed then again they're more likely to come out with violence in either area and so number one it needs to be something that the kids can be comfortable talking about uh, yes it probably helped me to be a physician as a matter of fact, what just popped into my head, I can remember we had three sons, okay? Then we bring twins home who were a boy and a girl. And they're in the crib, and the boys come up to me and say, which is the boy and which is the girl? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, come on over. And I undress them, and I say, this is what boys are like, this is what girls are like. You know what I mean? So it's comfortable that they could say that and we can expose ourselves and look at each other and be comfortable with our bodies. And, yes, and then as they got older, uh, you know, experiencing sex and so forth, to talk about it, to talk about safety, to talk about disease. I mean, so they know they're coming from, you're coming from a place of love and that you don't want them to behave in a way that would hurt them. And, and so it, it isn't, in many ways, it isn't just, you know, having sex or sexuality, but how they deal with their life and how they look at various things um, so that something that may not be good for them, they don't have to do because they have no other way of being happy or feeling good. Uh, So that can include sex addictions and a whole host of things that they're doing or drugs. Um, 
and again, bring it up, discuss it. And what I find, for instance, in our community, which is a, you know not inner city, they ha- they have, and this came from the principal of the school. He said, the children here have more problems with every social behavior except violence. So there are more drugs, more alcoholism, more sexual problems, all these things. Be- and you'd say, what's going on here in this lovely you know community? Um, and I'd say, what's going on here is that these kids are told, go get A's, go achieve, go do something, go make money. And it's not about meaning and love and affection. It's about go do something and impress everybody. And that's the sick and sad part. And they're getting a lot of this, you know, not just from the local community, but there are always, especially, you know, if we take a look and we stop and we look at the media, there there are are role models or people that we think are role models that are really addressing our young people and saying in order for you to be really cool or really be uh you know at the top of your game this is the way you look this is what you eat uh and this is the way you behave in the book what i love is you go right at it when you you cover the 3 r's it yeah, can I tell a joke that I put in the book? I sure. Okay, but yes. you know the father and and the son are walking down the street and they see two dogs having sex and and the son says, "What are those dogs doing?" And the father says, "They're making a puppy." And that night, the mom and dad are having sex and the kid gets out of bed and walks in and he says, "What are you doing?" And they say, "We're making you a little brother." And the kid says, "Could you ask mommy to turn over and make me a puppy instead?" <laughs> and you know now if see when you can talk like that to your kids and laugh about it then it's not something you have to hide you know that mom and dad make love yeah your dog does too um this is a part of us and our feelings and it's about love you know not just sex and it's about love and about creating and when you put it in that kind of context and as I say, can keep both a sense of humor and a childlike quality around you, then wonderful things happen in the future. Well, I love what you say in the book because most people have pizza night. In the book, you talk about having a taboo topics night. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, we had a roller skating night. Yeah, you could have a taboo topics, pizza, whatever. Um, You know, I always, every time you mention pizza, our five kids were arguing at the table one night, and I said, you can choose peace or you can choose anger and our daughter yelled i'll have pizza you know, and of course <laughs> then everybody busted out laughing and the argument ended but it's it's when you make that family time you see it also was letting them know that just as i have a right to be a doctor because they used to be mad at me for being on call and and being stuck in the house you know in case an emergency came up i had to be available but then i made them realize that there were times they went out when i was free and they were choosing to do things without their father so why not give me permission to be a doctor so you know we we came to an understanding that we each had a right to do what felt right for us that evening and could talk about it and work it out you know this is so key i referred to a a movie and you and i were talking during the break uh, a movie that I saw the other night called Freedom Writers with Hilary Swank and and how this uh, teacher out in L.A. really touched the, the lives and the souls of the young people. And you have a chapter in the book where you're actually talking about soul and soul connection. Mm-hmm. How important is that today? It, 
I have a quote that I don't have it in front of me now, but I, um, by Plato. But he was saying that the first place you have to heal is in the soul, that the mind and body follow that. And people really have to get in touch, whether you call it your soul, your heart, but it's what's the deep inner wisdom. Because when you bring up kids to think, you see, what do you want for dinner? Well, I think. What feels good? And, and that's what I try to get across to people. Stop thinking. Well, here's a quote from a lawyer. He said, I came to a conclusion that was eminently reasonable, totally logical, and completely wrong, because while learning to think, I almost forgot how to feel. Mm. And that's why, you know, I keep asking, what, what does your soul have to do with this? And I do a lot of work with drawings, and I suggest this to the parents, too. You ask your children to draw the home and family. I mean, I'll do this with a classroom full of kids. And you look at those pictures, and 80% of them, this, this is not a family. You know, mommy's shopping, daddy's in the office, I'm in the bedroom, my brother's in the front yard. There's no family circle. I mean, maybe 20%, everybody's having dinner or in the front yard, you know, I mean, together. And it breaks your heart. I mean, one, where there was, the folks had um, divorced, and this kid drew a line down that middle of the page with no break in it. You know, his father and mother are never going to get together and are not communicating. And this well, kid is split. You know, he's got two worlds, two lives. And boy, that line down the middle of the page really speaks of his life. Thank you, Bernie Siegel, for joining us today. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by Bernie Siegel, my very special guest today. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Again, the book is Love, Magic, and Mud Pies. Bernie Siegel, unbelievable book. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you down the road. Bless you, Pat. Bless you, Bernie. Thank you for listening to The Dr. Pat Show, radio to thrive by. To contact Dr. Pat, visit thedrpatshow.com. Tune in next Tuesday for another dynamic hour of The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. Let's go out and I can be saved. Tides that I try.